Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to Paradox. I'm Jimmy, and I am, yeah, again, I'm a solo doc today. Josh is doing something else that he considers to be more important, and uh, I don't know what that is, but if I was listening, I would be slightly offended because he chose not to be here today. But I'm thrilled because I get to talk with our guest today, who is Ginger Hubbard. Ginger, thank you so much for being with us today. Mm, thank you, Jimmy. I'm excited to be with you. Ginger is a much sought-after speaker. She's an author. She's an award-winning writer. Uh, she's the mother of two adult children, and it says here's the stepmom of two much-adored stepsons. Yes. Now, does that mean that you just like sort of like your adult children? Because it doesn't say much <laughs> beloved adult children. They are all, I really have four fantastic <laughs> kids that I adore, all four of them, and just exactly really right. blessed by getting getting to be a part of their lives. Ginger is, uh, she's going to have uh, her brand new book drop on uh, April 24th, and the name of her new book, and I really, as soon as I saw it, I said, I really can't wait to speak with her. The name of the book is, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue. Every parent that's ever walked the face of the earth has been there. Kids will say the darndest things, and they'll say the darndest things at the darndest times. So tell us a little bit about your book. Well, like you said, it comes out in April, and I guess the main reason that I wrote it is because I do speak across the country, and, and as a national speaker, I've listened to parents all over the country express their heartache over their inability to tame the tongues of their children. And just so many of them have, have read the books and they've tried the advice, but they just kind of remained frustrated because it didn't seem to work. And so what I really wanted to do, and I can't believe you just said that, is expose some of those faulty child training methods, which fail to reach the heart, and really equip parents with biblical principles and provide them with a sort of toolbox, just full of illustrations and examples for implementing those principles in a practical way. Our culture has coarsened to such a degree from, you know, what's on television, what's on the radio, just what our kids are going to hear in their schools. Some parents may be going, you know what, the words we're using, I, I think that's just sort of old hat. I don't really think that applies much anymore. And yet, you know, you kind of focus on Matthew twelve thirty four: the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Kind of unpack that for us. Matthew 12, 34, like you said, Jesus explains the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In other words, there's merit to that old saying, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. And so with that verse, we understand that our sin does not begin with our mouths. It begins with our hearts. And so the sin that shows up in our words comes from inside us. And it starts sooner than we might think. King David proclaimed, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time 
my mother conceived me. So when parents truly grasp the origin of sin and uh, just the, the total depravity of us, then we no longer question mm-hmm. even why our children sin. And so, you know, when my kids were little, Jimmy, I don't know about you, but I was just constantly shocked by their verbal offenses, whether they were whining or lying or talking back or whatever. And I would typically ask that sort of question. Why do you act like that? But mm-hmm. after a closer look at the Word of God, I realized I was asking the wrong question based on Matthew twelve thirty four. So I slowly learned to quit asking, why does my child sin? And I began to ask myself, when my child sins, how might I point him to the fact that he is a sinner, just like I am, mm-hmm. and in need of a Savior? How can I help him to understand and, and live in, in the transformation power of Christ. Now you say you kind of tackle the more traditional approaches to when when our child will say something, you know, that's inappropriate, scolding, just ignoring it or just punishing them for it. Now, by saying that those things are ineffective, you have just removed the parenting arsenal of about 80% of all dads. <laughs> Yes, and moms both, moms and dads for sure. And so tell us why those things, because they seem certainly appropriate to us or we wouldn't be using them. Why are they, in your opinion, non-effective? Well, when children speak offensively, parents, like you said, often respond in one of two ways. We tend to either ignore the child, hoping that he'll outgrow it, or we tend to maybe sometimes get angry, administer some sort of consequence, hoping Mm -hmm. to put the fear of God in him, as a lot of parents say. Mm -hmm. But both of those methods are ineffective, Jimmy, because they fail to train and instruct. There Mm -hmm. are occasions when ignoring may certainly seem more convenient for us because after all, it does take time to train our children in the way they should go. But to ignore a child who is in need of correction and guidance Mm -hmm. is to selfishly place our own interest above the interest in the well-being of the child. And then on the other hand, Consequences for wrong behavior certainly have their place, but mm-hmm. they are not a substitute for training and instruction. Instructing, mm-hmm. administering consequences without following through right. with that right. righteous training only teaches them one thing, and that's that there are consequences for sin. So while that is an important lesson, an even greater lesson is to understand that higher calling of living in ways that are pleasing to God and bring Him the glory He deserves. So we have to keep in mind that our purpose in disciplining our children is not merely to teach them to avoid consequences, but to train and instruct them to honor God with their lives. You said there's actually a three-step solution. So there's your book kind of fills out, if if those are not good things to do, then what do you do? What is your three-step solution? Well, each chapter of the book, like you said, it addresses a different tongue-related offense, like lying, tattling, whining, complaining, all of those kind of different things that children struggle with verbally. And so um, every chapter, I start out with a very common, relatable scenario that most every parent is going to be able to relate to. As a matter of fact, some of the people that have read the chapters have said, you were totally in my house last week. And so, and it's because I dealt with all of these issues with my kids. And so that three-step plan 
what I like to encourage parents to start out with, step one, is heart probing questions. You know, if you think about it, Jimmy, in all the stories in scripture, when someone did something wrong, Jesus didn't wave his finger in their face and say, this is what you did wrong, and this is what you should have done instead. Mm -hmm. Instead, Jesus often used heart-probing questions. And in order for the people to answer those questions, they had to evaluate themselves because Jesus knew how to ask those questions in such a way that the people had to take their focus off of the circumstances and situations around them and onto the sin in their own heart. So for each of those verbal offenses, I offer two or three very simple questions just to help get parents going in the right direction and help them to learn how to reach past that outward behavior and pull out what's going on in the heart. And then, so that's step one, the heart probing questions. And then in the book of Ephesians, we are instructed to put off our old self and put on our new self. So step two is what to put off, what God's word says about that particular behavior and what it can lead to if it's continued. And then step three is really the most important part. That's what to put on, which is how to replace what is wrong with what is right. So just by having that three-step plan, that helps us to move away from the, you know, the scolding and the repeating our instructions mm -hmm. and threatening and bribing. A lot of times we fall into those things just because we don't have a good plan right in front of us. So I'm just all about just love, love, love the Word of God and the wisdom that God gives us in raising our children. And so in my book, I've basically just done the homework, and I've mm -hmm. studied those scriptures for each one of those behaviors, and I'm offering that plan to help parents move past the outward behavior and really get to the heart, because we know that if we can reach the heart, well, then the behavior is going to take care of itself. I have looked. There's about four of these chapters that I wanted to get your quick take on. You know, I think parents are, are pretty lined up, you know, on lying, and, you know, there's some of those things, but there are others, and I love it that you you go beyond the obvious to some other issues with what our kids may say and, and how they may handle things that are not just the lying or name-calling or that sort of thing. So the first one is tattling. That is, whoa, we struggle with that because it's like, well, actually, thank you for letting me know, but you shouldn't tattle, but there seems to be this quandary on how to handle your child when your child is tattling. That's a good one. And, you know, that was probably one of my daughter's biggest struggles. So I can so relate to that. And, you know, just let me just give you a scenario from my own parenting. One that immediately pops into my mind is one, I remember one time when my daughter comes running in the kitchen and my we have a creek behind our house and they knew that they were not allowed to be playing down in the creek unless I was out there with them. And so Alex comes flying in the kitchen and she says, mom, you said that we're not allowed to be down in the creek and Wesley is down there catching tadpoles in it. Now, Alex is very dramatic. You could always tell like, she actually majored from the University of Alabama in theater. So you can only imagine Excellent. the drama. And so she comes in and, and says all that. And I can tell exactly what she's thinking just by the look on her face. She's thinking, so what are you going to do what about do it? Do? And can I watch? <laughs> and so I might just probe her heart. You know, if I was if I was relying on my own wisdom instead of God's wisdom and maybe in the heat of the moment, I might say something like, well, just go tell Wesley to come here and I'll deal with it. 
But in doing that, I have failed to pull out what's going on in her heart. And I failed to teach her what God's word says about tattling. And, you know, a lot of times we tend to think that God's word doesn't address certain issues like tattling or whining, but it does. If you learn again how to reach past that outward behavior and figure out what's going on in the heart, you better believe God's word addresses it because God is concerned with the issues of the heart. So with tattling, the way that I might implement this three-step plan is just to ask her, you know, two or three heart-probing questions. I might say something like, honey, could it be that you are delighting and getting your brother in trouble? And something like, rather than tattling, what could you have done to spur him on toward what's right, toward love and good deeds, as the scriptures say? Mm -hmm. And then what are we to put off? We're to put off tailbearing. In Proverbs 17, 5, it says, whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished. And, you know, she's little. She might not understand what that means. So I might word it a little more simply mm-hmm. and just say something like, sweetie, if, if you are trying to get your brother in trouble, then you're going to get in trouble because that's not right. That would be you taking delight in mm-hmm. your brother's suffering. And so, and then so to put off that tailbearing, and then what are we to put on in Hebrews? It says we're to put on encouragement. So I might say, honey, in Hebrews, it says that we are to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And then an important part of training also is not just instructing our children, but also it's what I call the practice principle, teaching them how to implement and put into practice what they've learned. So instead of just telling her this training, I would actually have her go back and do it. So what could you say to spur him on? Well, I don't know, mom. I guess I could tell him, you know, he better get out of the creek because I don't want him to get in trouble. Or he better get out of the creek because mom says it's dangerous to be in the creek. Anything, anything along those lines would be great. And then I would have her go back and say those words to her brother. That way she's learning how to put on um, what God's word says that we're to do that brings glory and honor to him and goodness to others. So it's so important that we do that, that we walk them through how to implement it. Absolutely. Do you ever get used to making other parents feel really guilty? Because I'm thinking back and I I think I just yelled and scolded and punished. You said you did the homework. What you're saying is practical and it's effective. And one, one other thing, and you mentioned it, when our kid whines. And I also, Alex also struggled with that. Wesley was my aggravator, my son. He was always stirring up stuff and aggravating. And that was sort of his thing where, Alex, you're, you're hitting the two nails on the head with her, that tattling and that whining. And so, uh, you know, whining really has become almost an epidemic in America. Oh, just Kids just so seem to struggle with whining. And so, again, and we may think, well, the Bible doesn't really talk about whining specifically. But the Bible does talk about self-control. And if you think about it, whining is an issue of self-control. And so when my daughter would whine in an attempt to get her way or to acquire something she wanted, well, let's just do another scenario. Parents love scenarios. All right, let's say that she comes into the kitchen and rather than simply asking for a cup of juice, she whines for it. I might ask her, honey, are you asking for juice with self-control? Well, no, you're not, honey. God wants you to have self-control, even with your voice. Now, what I'm going to do, this is how I handled whining in my home. I'm not saying this is a biblical mandate. This is just what worked for us. I would say I'm going to set the timer 
for three minutes and I just had a little simple kitchen timer. And when that timer goes off, then you may come back and ask for juice the right way with your self-controlled voice. So you see, I reproved her for whining had her suffer some consequences of having to wait three minutes, which can seem like an eternity for a small child. But that also helps her to to think about and to ponder what does self-control look like. And I might have to model that for her sometimes, model that voice, model what it would sound like to communicate with self-control so that she knows exactly what that looks like. And then most important, that step three, have her come back and ask for juice the right way, which is an issue that is addressed in God's word, that self-control. And there might be some parents out there, Jimmy, thinking, yeah, right. Well, my kid's timer would go off and they wouldn't come back and ask the right way. Well, we don't want to get into a power struggle with our children. So in situations like that, it's pretty much just a natural consequence. She doesn't get the juice. If you can't come back and ask the right way with self-control, then you're not going to get the juice. And again, you know, a lot of kids, it's not that they whine just when they're asking for something. A lot of kids whine just as a general means of communicating. And so I found that this, you know, just having them wait that three minutes and then, you know, maybe I'm driving the the minivan and they're strapped in the back seat whining. I could, I could say, you know what, honey, God wants you to have self-control with your voice. So we're going to set the timer for three minutes. I kept mine with me all the time. And then we can communicate with self-control, but I'm not going to have this discussion discussion with you until you can have self-control. So really, I kind of put the ball in mm-hmm. in their park. You know, if you really want to discuss this, then you're going to have to get that self-control. Absolutely. So it does, it's not a power struggle. It's just mm-hmm. a, a, a very simple plan for um, encouraging them to communicate the right way. And very quickly, as we kind of come to a close, how important is it for parents to set the example by not whining, by not bragging, by not tattling. This whole, hey, kids, do as I say, but not as I do. Very, very important. And, you know, you said something a few minutes ago that you're listening to all this and thinking, oh, I did it wrong. I scolded and I yelled and I just did consequences. And, you know, Jimmy, even though I've been studying all this stuff and teaching on parenting for many, many years, I fell into some of those traps at this also. And I didn't always set the right example for my children. Even though I knew what to do, I didn't always do it. You know, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. But I found that even in those times that I did blow it with my kids, like maybe say I just completely, you know, blow my top and, and yell at them about something or scold them about something instead of speaking gently to them. I found that when I was willing to humble myself and ask their forgiveness, that God used even the times that I blew it for His glory and for to show opportunities. It was opportunities for me to show to my kids what God's grace looks like. And so, you know, say that I would scold them, I, I would sit them down and, and I would let them see the conviction of the Holy Spirit and my response to that. And, and God just used those as precious moments. I might just say, you know, the way that I just spoke to you, I, I just need to ask your forgiveness because the way that I just talked to you, it did not show respect for you and it did not honor God. So please forgive me and let me try that again in a way that does show respect for you and does honor God. And so even when we blow it, God can use those um, for His glory and good if we're willing to model um, being humble when the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes on us. Ginger, I cannot thank you enough for being with us today. What a great discussion. What a great book. 
It's entitled, I Can't Believe You Just Said That. And if you want more information, you can go to ICan'tBelieveYouJustSaidThat.com. Also, uh, GingerHubbard.com. And you can follow her on Facebook at, at official Ginger Hubbard, uh, and on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Ginger, once again, thank you so very much for being with us. Thank you, Jimmy. Ginger Hubbard, everybody. Was she not great? I think, I think anything you have to say, you should say it with a South Alabama accent. And it just sounds better. It just does. Great book. I mean, seriously, great book. We didn't even get to bragging. What do you do when your kids are aggravating each other? Wonderful. I mean, it's almost um, it's almost a go-to guide when these issues happen. So I can't believe you just said that. Yeah, really good book. I think it even drops. Uh, that is published the very week that this podcast will drop. So check it out on Amazon or anywhere Christian books are sold. But some great advice, great advice. Just making them learn from consequences is not enough. We're called to more than that and to make sure that we also guide and instruct them along with them learning from the consequences. Yeah, Ginger Hubbard, she was great. Listen, guys, I appreciate it. And the other doc will be joining me next time we do an interview, I hope. Now, this is is wearing me out. I had to talk way too much. Appreciate it. Talk to y'all soon. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. For more information about our Paradox evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescar.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Next time on Paradox. What are you doing? I'm researching SHIT in the New Testament.